All right, everybody, welcome back to an episode of FAPA Talk. Tim Gens here and excited to be joined by Brian Coulter, who's the Executive Vice President of Fleet Operations for Volato. Brian, thank you very much for being here with us today. Tim, thank you. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, looking forward to the conversation. Yes, absolutely. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, tell us a little bit about you and how you got into aviation. Well, uh, from my strange accent, you can tell I wasn't originally from the U.S. Um, and yes, last weekend was uh, my country was in national mourning because the uh, the All Blacks uh, failed to win um, the Rugby World Cup. So uh, I'm from New Zealand. Uh, rugby is uh, integral to uh, almost everything that happens uh, in there, much like American football is here. Um, but I started early, went straight into the military out of high school. You're allowed to do that where we came from. Um, so I've been flying for about 44 years now. And uh, always like to be in the uh, innovative side of uh, aviation, whether it was military or uh, or later into uh, the civilian world. Um uh, did a, uh, a mixture of airplanes in the military, Royal New Zealand Air Force, uh, helicopters, jets, uh, training airplanes, flew a season in the formation aerobatic team, um, introduced some uh, cool technology, uh, which was cool for us, uh, very mundane these days with the night vision goggle program. Uh, wrote that into our Air Force, which didn't exist at the time. So I've, I've always liked the what comes next um who's got the best ideas uh how does that work uh i came over to the us was uh, fortunate to be able to come and work here and started flying uh, a light freight uh you know and, and after a 16 year air force career i was thinking i was doing pretty good and then i was in a cessna 310 beating up and down the west coast of the us uh, at night with uh all kinds of things uh, like loads of mice and other things in the in the back of my 310 in the winter storms going like i i think i might i'm not sure whether i'm on the right path but um one thing led to another got involved with uh, some people that were uh innovative and in starting uh, airlines and it turns out that that was kind of my jam i like that uh, as much as flying uh, uh to to a point uh and, and got uh, hooked up with a group that eventually started JetBlue. so that was uh, one of uh, one of my uh, one of my accomplishments um being on the ground floor there and uh, I was the third person in the office and it was a very empty space which uh, by the end of the you know end of uh, I think 18 months later we had uh, 12 months later we had a thousand people and not long after that we had 10,000 so it was uh you know, amazing growth, and uh, and you know the, the Airbus was a great machine, and fly-by-wire was uh, sort of still new to a lot of people, so um, it was great. Um, and then uh, one of the people that I that was starting JetBlue said, "Hey, I've got another thing that I want to start," and that was in uh, more in the charter and private aviation side of things. And I said, "Well, that would be something that I haven't done, so let's go do that." So we started uh, JetSuite. We actually started three certificates as part of that. One of them is JSX, which is still going now. So um, very much in the news. So uh, 
very happy that uh, that all of my uh, colleagues are uh, are still pulling uh, for that one, and then um, got an opportunity to uh, to start with uh, Volado uh, just a few months ago. Um, innovative company. Uh, it has a, a leadership that's that, that has a lot of experience in uh, in software and a, and, a, and a broad range of industries, which is actually uh, a refresh from a lot of. Uh, Initial leadership in, in aviation companies that tend to be strictly aviation and they, they tend to ask the same questions uh, and you end up with the same answers. So uh, once again, on the innovation theme, having a, a group of people that are smart um, and come from a slightly different uh, mind space, um, very much commercial mind space, but a slightly different mind space from traditional aviation means we'll come up with some innovative products and um, it's been a great, uh, great ride so far. It's been quite a ride so far. You've done a little bit of everything. That is yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, 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 ho hopefully I'm the master of something after all that. <laughs> there was a gentleman that I recruited when I was still at the airlines that um, he, uh, he was 62 years old and he wanted to become an airline pilot. And I said, well, why? He said, because when I die, I want my rep epitaph to read from A to Z, but no PhD. So it's like, Ooh. all right. So, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Enjoy this time with the airline. So, um, well, thank you for that background on you. Tell me a little bit about Volato. You've talked about them kind of being on the, the front end and being innovative. Um, what um, what do they do? What regulation do they operate under? Tell us about their fleet. Who is Volato? So, uh, yeah, Volato is um, has a uh, is also broad and, and does a number of uh, a number of things. Um, there is, we have a managed aircraft fleet that's uh, based out in Houston. Um, about eight airplanes, I think, right now. Managed fleets tend to rotate a little bit. Uh, King Airs, uh, we've got a Hawker, Sovereign, uh, Citation Bravo, uh, and a Challenger. Um, the primary fleet is uh, a floating fleet, as we would call it. Um, so no fixed base uh, as such. They're too busy to be at a fixed base. Uh, of Honda jets, and uh, we have uh, 21 of those. Uh, number 21 got added, I think, last night. So we are uh, in uh, in the process of growing. We have uh, two more new out of the factory coming uh, at the in December, uh, and uh, slated for 11 um, new aircraft of the Honda jet uh, next year. Um, we have uh, also new from uh, Gulfstream, we have uh, four G280s uh, on order for next year. So we will have a, uh, a mid-sized product and that will also be uh, treated as a floating uh, aircraft, obviously much longer range, um, slightly different market segment, um, but is a very capable airplane, you know, quiet, fast, does all the things that, uh, that we would want it to do. Um, as far as the business concerned, we do pretty much uh, a, 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 we cover a broad brush. We are fundamentally a fractional uh, program, although we do not operate under Part 91K. If anybody wants to research the difference, we're, we can still sell a fraction uh, and operate under Part 135. So all our flights are under Part 135. Um, we have a inside a program as we call it which is uh, like a traditional jet card uh, program 
Uh, we sell retail uh, on the charter market. We sell uh, wholesale uh, to brokers uh, on that market. We market our own um, empty legs, uh, which a lot of people do. And we have uh, just uh, launched a, uh, a new innovative company called uh, Vaunt, uh, which is aiming to aggregate uh, those empty legs uh, and for a fixed fee. Uh, you can bid on and get as many empty legs a year as you possibly can go go to. Uh, the app's pretty simple. You, uh, you know, put your details in, and it'll tell you when there is an empty leg somewhere near you. And if you want to go there, you can just go there. So uh, wow. we think Vaughn's going to be a, be pretty disruptive. We like it. Um, it already has the. Uh, you know, over a thousand people have uh, are are in, um, and we expect it to be uh, you know, very very broad. So, em- fractions, empties, uh, Vaughn as a specific uh, industry disruptor. Um, we do uh, we do, we do a lot with our fleet. Yes, it sounds like you do. You mentioned that your fleet is kind of floating around, so there's not necessarily any bases for the aircraft necessarily. Correct. Um, we have a, uh, a maintenance. We, uh, I'll, I'll use a JetBlue term, focus city. So not really a hub, but not really anything else. But we have a focus in Houston, and we have uh, a hobby and a focus in St. Augustine in, uh, in South Florida, or actually North Florida. And uh, we have hangars at both of those locations, and we have uh, permanent maintenance stuff uh, there. The remainder of everybody else in the company, the company was started um, essentially two years ago uh, in the middle of COVID. Uh, the mm-hmm. company is almost entirely virtual. And while we uh, now get to share each other company company occasionally, um, we actually kind of like the uh, the virtual space for what we are doing. I mm-hmm. advocated for a for a long time that the only way uh, op center, you know, can work is you've got to have the huge screen in the background so that people can see the big screen. And then a bunch of people sitting around in little clusters with, you know, talking to each other about how airplanes move. But it turns out you can very successfully, very clearly and, uh, and, and very safely move airplanes with people who are working virtually. So um, that's actually been a, a, a great insight for me after, you know, you, you get a lot of experience at doing these things and all of a sudden you figure out there's a whole other way of doing it and, and you thought it wouldn't work and it actually works really, really well. So the, the original founders uh, did an excellent job of, of starting that. So that all of those uh, all of those aircraft uh, that, that operate under that system are where, you know, they spend the night wherever they're at. If they spend a little more time than, uh, than forecast, then we hang them wherever they happen to be. But otherwise... Uh, on normal overnights, you know, they arrive in the afternoon, leave in the morning, and um, they are spread over the country. More so 60-40 east versus west. Okay. So so then your pilots are also virtually based. You're a pilot working for you guys can live wherever they want. Yep. They are, uh, I think the industry is, calls it home basing. So everybody's home based. Um, you've got to get to the, your, you know, you've got to be able to get to your local airport, but from your local airport, we match you to whichever aircraft you're going to be in that rotation. Um, rotations are uh, along the lines of week on, week off, uh, eight and six. So eight on, six off. There's a changeover day uh, in the middle, um, and it's a you know a, 
a managed schedule and something that you know in advance and well in advance. So it's uh, it's good for quality of life and and good for the uh, good for for home life. And you never away too long. So that eight and six kind of perpetuates throughout the year. It's always eight six eight six. So someone in February reasonably knows that they are are not working for Thanksgiving. Yep, and they uh, and you know and they and they know whether they're. Uh, you know, which side of Christmas uh, to sort of stagger the family on if they don't quite get Christmas off. Obviously, we fly people to their families. So, yes, holidays, we would all like to be at home. Um, and actually, holidays is uh, is when most of the people that we consider working in the office, although they're virtually in the office, um, all of those that are qualified um, go out and help uh, the you know, help our pilots that are out on the line to try and get a few more homes so they can have some extra extra quality time uh, at Christmas. So I think we've got uh, seven seven people from the office uh, donating time on the holidays to try and make sure that people have uh, have a good quality of life. It's a and Volano is a great. Um, uh, it seems odd in a, in a virtual world, but has created a great family-like uh, atmosphere. Um, very, uh, very safety forward and very safety conscious, and that's part of the part of the language on a daily basis, which is great. Absolutely, I mean, from the quality of life, from the family feel, company culture, and all of that. What are some of the other reasons that somebody would choose the the Volato route over whether it's another charter carrier or the the airline route? Yeah, there's a good. Um, there's a couple of different places that we, you know, that, that we fit in a in a pilot's um, uh, I call it pilot's life cycle. So um, we prefer people to have a thousand hours um, to start, um, and we have uh, a number already that have started at a thousand hours and have got through to their ATP. Uh, and have achieved the the company minimums our, our internal company minimums two thousand hours to uh, to upgrade that's insurance uh, uh, requirement. Um, but we've had uh, I think ten or eleven now that have gone through and done their ATP, and they have they have remained uh, with us and haven't gone somewhere yet. It would be most natural for people to come and work at that for a couple of hours and with an ATP start looking. Um, we've been very fortunate. Uh, people like what we're, people like, uh, you know, who we are, who they fly with. Um, the Honda Jet is, uh, is very, it's a sophisticated, it's small, but it's sophisticated and uh, a lot of automation, uh, great for, uh, you know, great for the technically minded um, and does a, does a very, very nice job. Um, and so once we get past that 50 to 2,000 hours, we're, we've upgraded internally a few people. They have so far stayed because that's about where they are and that. So how long they stay, we, we, we don't know. So we've had um, limited turnover. Um, but there is a, uh, you know, the, for, the, for the folks that are at the uh, retiring out of the airlines, that's also mm -hmm. to, uh, to if, if people feel like they have a few more years in, in aviation and want to uh, Want to keep and uh, and keep their hand in. We have um, uh, it, it's a good spot for that, and certainly um, they're talking about an age limit for Part One Thirty Five. But at the moment, there there is not uh, an upper tier. Um, and then, probably more importantly, are the quality of life choices uh, that that people make. Um, airlines are great places. I've you know obviously I've been in them. 
I've flown in a, a few thousand hours uh, sitting in the left seat and driving the bus around. Um, and it has its own, it has its own appeal and it has its own predictability. Um, but it, it has a, a lot less um, direct interaction with uh, what I, you know, uh, committing aviation. Um, you're, you know, you have a, you have a dispatcher that's jointly responsible, but provides a lot of the information. You, you appear to be a, a checker more than a doer. Um, people that like aviation actually like flying, actually like interacting with people, actually like knowing who's in the back of the jet, actually like, mm -hmm. like knowing that they actually made a difference, um, there's a there's definitely a quality of life choice uh, for this style of of aviation over uh, over the airlines. They, they both they both have their ups, they both have their downs. Um, but it, it is a it is a different job. It's a different mindset. Um, you know, you can kind of walk out the cockpit door and just turn to the right when you uh, when you leave the uh, the big jet. Here uh, you're making sure the airplane's clean, that it's stocked. You're making sure that you know. Uh, Maintenance stuff is completed. Not doing it, but make sure that it's completed. You're making sure that uh, the post-flight is as good as your pre-flight, so that we know what happens with the aircraft the next morning. We all of the kinds of things that you would do if you were, you know, running your own aircraft. Well, that's kind of how how we run it. So we don't have teams and teams of people at every station that you visit. So it's a different it's a different life, um, but it's an interesting one and. A uh, small factoid: um, If you were to fly with, with Southwest Airlines, uh, maximum number of, of airports you could go to is 121. They only have 121 destinations, and of those, reasonably, you would do maybe 15 to 20 percent a year. So maybe you get, eh, you know, 25, 30 airports that you would visit. Uh, last 12 months, uh, we have been to 719 different airports wow. out of a total of about 1,153 that we have been to in the last two years. So, you know, variety of life, uh, variety of destination, challenges in flying, you know, a lot of smaller airfields, uh, a lot of uh, pieces and uh, pieces of aviation that you just don't touch when you're at a major airline. So that's that's kind of that that quality of life and that um that that being you know surrounded by all of the parts of aviation is, is what appeals to a lot of people appeals to me that's why i like uh i like you know organizing and uh, we've got a great you know great team of leaders uh that work for me in the company and uh i i love watching them go to work they uh, they're, yes. they're they're a good team awesome a lot of adventure, you know. I um, I've seen the uh, the Living in the Age of Airplanes movie narrated by Harrison Ford so many times, and it often talks about the fact yep. that how aviation united the country, united the world, it connected the world. That every airport is a time machine to somewhere else. That it takes you kind of everywhere. Um, you need that, you know. And, and yet, I don't think a lot of people think about that. You go to some of the major carriers; the, it's going to be a very limited number of places you see versus. You're talking about what you're doing, going to places that you would never ever go out and go. And there's there's an adventure to that. And that's something neat and exciting. And you know, you're you're not going to be pulling up to a self-serve pump in your jet um at Southwest. Um, you know, there's gonna be a 
a scurrying of people as uh, magically fuel goes on and bags go off and you spend most of your time typing the next route into the FMS and wondering what you have for lunch. It's just a different, it's a different mindset. It's a different, um, different execution, but uh, no, it, it's a lot of fun. Well, for those that are listening to this or, or viewing this and really like everything you're saying, how would they go ahead and get in touch with your team? How would they go ahead and start an application? Um, what would be the best ways for them to go ahead and do that? Uh, very simple. Basically, a single point of, uh, of contact, uh, flyvolato.com, F-L-Y-V-O-L-A-T-O.com. Um, flyvolato.com, uh, there's a careers button, um, go there. Um, I know what the next question is, is are you hiring? And uh, we just we are just opening up the taps right now on hiring. Um, within the next two weeks, um, the pilot hiring will be open. We have slots for open for December. And based on the airplane deliveries, as far as we're concerned, we have slots from December continuing because we're on a growth um, trajectory and we need good help. So uh, it, it may well open within the next week, um, but it will not be long. Okay, awesome. Well, that's good to hear. Really appreciate all the information, Brian. Um, let's go ahead and close with a couple fun ones. Uh, obviously when you're interviewing pilots, they, they come in all different shapes and sizes. And there are uh, things that sometimes us in the recruiting world experience that it's hard to go ahead and explain the, that to anybody else. What would be your strangest, craziest, or even most memorable um, interview or recruiting story? That would probably come from the the, uh, the round of interviews we did when we were starting JetBlue. So JetBlue now is a, is kind of, you know, it's a major airline and, and everybody knows it. And it's a, it's a part of your daily choice of how, of how you move. At the time, obviously, no one knew about it other than it was a good idea, and David Neilman had, had some uh, presence in the in the market. But we were interviewing a, a vast array of people who had you know, had a reasonable idea that this might be a good thing, but it was they were all very new. And we did, I think, I did 110 interviews in the first month. Um, it was it was. Uh, uh, we had to get a lot of people. We're talking twelve, you know, twelve pilots per, per airplane. We're going to have ten airplanes in the first year. You got to, you got to go through a lot of uh, a lot of interviews to get there. So the the pace was one thing, um, but probably one of the one of the questions was along the lines: What have you done in the past um, to like help move an airplane and to and to and, and to make sure that the schedule was met? The kind of, one of those kinds of questions you get in an interview. And uh, one of the one of the applicants said, um, "Well, we uh, it turned out we ended up leaving the gate with the he was flying a seven thirty seven. We ended up leaving the gate with the paperwork on board, and we needed the paperwork off. We had already we had already taxied, and we were a long way away. If we had to turn around and go back, it was another twenty minutes. Then you got to hook up the gate. We're going to do all this other stuff. So." As he's told it, I came up with the bright, the bright idea. We'll just pass the uh, you will pass the paper out the out the window. And I'm thinking, okay, we're out on the rant. We're out on the ta active taxiway. This is where it starts getting an active taxiway, and it's the engines are running. Yeah, yeah, the engines are running, and uh, it, and so what happened? He said, well, 
I was thinking safety. I'm like, okay, this is kind of like thinking safety, but we've got a different view of safety already. I was thinking safety, so um, I didn't I didn't want anything to get you know sucked into the engine. So I made sure that um, I used the uh, the my headset that had a clip that went onto my uh, shirt. I used the sh- the clip on the headset cord around the paperwork and opened the you know the side window in the seven thirty seven and lowered the paperwork out to the guy that was on the tug who had driven around the front of the airplane so that he could grab it. And then it was secure. And that was a nice safe way of, uh, of making, of making the airplane move. And I was like, there are so many things I do not like about that story. I can't even tell you where to, where to start. Um, I appreciate that you like to make airplanes move, but you are not for us. We did, we did, I can tell you, we definitely did not hire that particular guy. So things people some people tell you all, yeah. Some people will tell you all kinds of stuff uh, in an interview, as I'm sure you already know, given that you do this probably. Yes, yes. I have uh, been uh, working with a couple candidates, preparing them for interviews. I think that part of the reason is, hey, tell me a story, and let's see, is this a story you should tell or a story you shouldn't tell? And sometimes the story they tell, they're amusing and it's fantastic, and it's like I appreciate you brightening my day please do not tell that one in interview. There are, there are elements okay. of that that are just very problematic. So, all right. Yeah. Um, last question I have for you. What's your favorite aircraft? It could have been one you flew, not flew, fictional. You could tell me about Star Trek, whatever it ends up being, your favorite thing that flies. Uh, so I get, you know, I, I cut my teeth in, uh, in helicopters in the, uh, in the, in the military um, we did uh, ran search and rescue in the in the mountains in the South Island in New Zealand, and uh, we had uh, the UH one H uh, Huey. Uh, you know, uh, most people now would kind of see them on uh, you know old Vietnam movies or or something uh, that kind of footage. Um, it was just a, an amazing, reliable aircraft that had all kinds of limitations, but that just kind of made it. The thing that you were always in touch with uh, because you had to be in touch with it. Otherwise, it had all these vices that would uh, that would come and come and bite you. But I took that uh, all over the Pacific, uh, took it to Antarctica, uh, took it to New Guinea, across Australia uh, and obviously uh, all through New Zealand and, uh, and um, the rescues off the sides of mountains. So we did. We did a lot with that machine. It took me a lot of places. Uh, oh, and I took it to uh, England and competed in an international helicopter competition over there. Wow. Even even won a trophy. So what do you know? So the, awesome. Huey, uh, the, Huey, the Huey would be my favorite airplane. Okay, perfect. Well, Brian, I think we'll go ahead and wrap up. Thank you so much for your time. Is there anything else you'd like to go ahead and toss out there for anybody watching and try to go ahead and figure out the best place for them to go ahead and land their career? You know, um, aviation is uh, is the one of those connective tissues that runs through life, especially in the U.S. Um, I think you can't draw a uh, you can't draw a hundred mile circle in the East Coast without uh, turning up something like two hundred and fifty seven airports in any in any circle. It's it's a ridiculous number of uh, airports, and aviation is uh, is a large part of it. Um, 
the the industry is relatively open right now for a lot of years it was uh seemingly closed to only those that are on a privileged track or had some kind of in with somewhere else um the industry is open um there's a lot of opportunity and you know whether it's a whether it's a volato or whether it's a, a major airline uh and whether you uh, just love aviation um it's a good time it's a good time to be flying uh it's a safe time to be flying and i encourage anybody who's possibly thinking about it to just get out and do it and we'll all have some fun awesome all right brian thank you so much for your time today sir i really appreciate it everyone thank you for tuning in uh we look forward to seeing everybody soon <laughs>